Um, I want to invite your attention to the Word of God in Ephesians chapter six. We're going to look at um, we're going to look at the second we're going to look at the second point of last week's message on on this enlisted series that I've st- I just started, and we're going to look at the armor of God. Paul talks about this, and we're we're just going to look into it. I want you to look at it and. And see how it applies to your life. Um, Ephesians chapter uh, six, verses ten through eighteen. And I, I just want us to—I want us to look at the scripture here for just a second, and uh, then I'll—I'll I'll go back to it. A final word: Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Verse eleven. This is where we're going to camp out today. Put on God's armor. So that you will be able to stand firm against the, all the strategies and tricks of the devil. But for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in heavenly places. And last week we looked at the big idea as being that the battles are won by being strong in, not ourselves, but in the Lord. And that's a real, that's just a real fundamental principle. And that is, you're going to face things in life that, that you realize that, that you're either outnumbered or you're, or you're overwhelmed with, things that, you, that are out of your control that you can't fix, things that, that, that you find yourself like, you know, I, I don't see any way of, you know, passaging this, you know, in, in through this or dealing with this. And that's where it requires, you will face more than you can handle. You will. But you will not face more than God can handle. So it's very important to learn in your Christian walk to be strong in the Lord. Not just be strong. Be strong in the Lord. And isn't that the essence of the Christian life? Isn't it? That, I mean, the Christian life is, is not that you live your life for, for the Lord, but he lives his life through you. And yes, people look and say, well, you're there living for the Lord. But if you, if you peel it back, you see that, that it goes deeper than just a person trying to be a good person or a good moral person. They're actually empowered to live their life with, through, through, through the supernatural working of the Spirit of God. See, one way says, yeah, I've got to live the Christian life and I've got to do it my way. And that's, most of, that's a lot of the Christian world today. So people are, are not sure they're, they have the assurance of their salvation. No, they're not sure of their salvation. They, they're sure of their circumstances, and if their circumstances say that they're okay, then they're all right, or they're sure based on their feelings. But God wants us to live on a higher plane. And that's why being strong in the Lord means that you, you've learned that you yield things to Him to allow Him to do His, his life and bring life and his work in and through you to deal with life's battles. And you're going to face them. Just face it. You're going to face it. 
For any parent here, you don't want your child to deal with disappointment, do you? I mean, you will do everything within your power to protect your child from dealing with disappointment. Am I talking to anybody as a parent? And yet, you know the reality of life is that you're going to face disappointments. And one of the things that, that as Christian parents, I believe particularly, is we need to teach our children how to handle disappointments. You're going to, you're going to face conflicts in your life. You're going to have internal struggles. You're going to have struggles with people. You're going to have struggles in circumstances, situations. And listen, just the aging process brings conflict. Doesn't it? I mean, you wake up every morning with a new ache. It's true, right? You know, for the guys, for me, it's less hair and, and, uh, and, uh, or, you know, and, and a new kind of ache. And, I, you know, and, and, you know, I'm thankful that for that song, Fear's a Liar, because I'm thinking I love to play the guitar, Chris. And I'm thinking, do I have a little arthritis starting right here in, in my, my finger, you know? It's a whole, listen, folks, that's the whole reason I didn't play high school football was these fingers. And I told, I told the coach one day, I said, listen, I said, you'll put me out here on the line, and I'll, I'll, I'll bandage up all these fingers. And I said, when I get 40, I'll have big knots on them. And I said, I'm playing the guitar. <laughs> so I didn't play football. And I think I made the, the, a better choice. I don't think I would have been on the NFL. I don't think you'd have been watching me. I really don't. But the battles are won by being strong in the Lord and then standing against, resisting the devil. The Bible says he'll flee from you. So I want us to, to go on here. So there's, there's three things that we looked at, and, and the second one's what we're going to look at today. To be strong in the Lord and his power, to put on the whole armor of God, and stand against the schemes of the devil or the evil one. You're in a battle. You're in a battle, and the battle that you face are just the normal, a lot of times, just the normal battles of life. But the enemy comes along, and he uses them to his advantage to create a stronghold in your life of either fear, or some people are crippled with guilt, with depression, with, uh, and, and you know, you, the, the fears, man, they can just, they can run tentacles to everywhere in your emotions and how you deal in relationships and so forth. And then, and, and, and so he, he uses those to kind, of, uh, to kind of create a beachhead in your life because he doesn't want God's glory to be revealed in you. And he wants you defeated. He wants you, he wants you discouraged and depressed and all the things and, and always in conflict and always not happy and always always struggling and so forth. Why? Because he is the father of lies and he works through deception and he deceives our mind making us believe that, hey, yeah, Greg, you're going to have to give up guitar at some point in time because that pain in that knuckle. Well, you know what? He's a liar. So I keep playing. Keep playing. You, you keep playing. Now, that's just a little simple illustration, but I mean, you, you think about the things that you deal with in your life. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Stand against the schemes of the evil one. And then the second one here is put on the whole armor of God. Now, so that's what I want us to look at this morning. So notice what he says in verse 13. Now let's read, read this. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
so that after the battle you will be standing firm. And that's this morning's message. Just stand. Just stand. Standing. Notice what he says. He's not even saying fight. <laughs> He's just saying stand. Think about that. Um, you know, just stand. Stand your ground. Put on the sturdy belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, for the shoes put on the peace that comes with, from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Notice what he goes on to say, verse 14. Um, or verse 16, rather. In every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery darts aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times and on every... Now, here's you something to do. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. So the big idea of this message is this. In Christ, we have been equipped with everything that we need to stand in the battle. What, no matter what you're facing or what you're dealing with, God has, the, God has given you the equipment, the spiritual equipment, to stand. It is provided for you. It is available for you. It's accessible for you. It belongs to you. It is yours. It is yours. And in Christ, you have been equipped with everything that you need, again, to be standing, to be standing after the battle. So the thing that you think is going to take you down is going to wipe you out. God says that there is equipment in your behalf so that you will be standing after the dust settles down. After, after the fray of the battle is over and the frenzy, you're, there, will be, there will be a, you will be standing. Now, you know, I think what is implicit in all this is that we're not forgotten, that in God and in Christ that, that there's the empowerment that we need that is available for us in our behalf, and it's accessible to us as believers. Now, Paul had, an, had a lot of time. Now, as you begin to think about this, I want you to put this letter in its context. Because one of the principles of interpreting the Bible is not just what it means to me, but what did it mean to Paul? Paul is writing this to the Ephesian believers while he was in prison. He was in prison. And, you know, I'm thinking about if I'm going to write a letter, I'm going to tell about everything going on. There is no hint of a complaint here. I mean, if anybody had a right to complain, it would have been Paul, right? Here he is, he's got this driving desire to do the work of God, and now he's stuck in this prison, and the only thing he has to do, and the only thing he has available is, is, is a quill and, and maybe a, a parchment to write a letter on so he can send it to the Ephesian believers whom he loved. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, there have been times in my own life that, that I, I, well, I'll just put it this way, I kind of get upset with God. Do you? Oh, you wouldn't call it that because you're too spiritual. 
but you do. We get upset with God. We get upset with our circumstances. We get upset the way things are. We get upset with, with, uh, with the way it should be, and it's not. We get, and, and in essence, if you, if you start peeling all that stuff back, what you'll find yourself is that you, you get to the point of God. Because God did allow it, right? Even if you don't like it. Has God ever allowed anything in your life that you didn't like? Come on, let me see your hands. Just, okay, most of us. And the natural tendency as any relation, let me ask the teenagers this. If mom and dad ever allowed anything in your life that you didn't like? <laughs> there you go. There, you get the picture now? So, and you get real happy with mom and dad, don't you? Right? Not like, not? <laughs> no. You get, you know, you, 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 you know, you fume and, and you, and you, you know, you know, and you ask why and you, and what do you do? And then, and then the, the parents does something, they come along and they say, well, why does it have, to? you say, well, why does it have to be that way? And then the parents come along and say, because I, <laughs> I think we've had some practice here. It's just the way it is, right? It's like you're not happy about it, and it's just the way it is, and and it's like, and then there's words that are wordless, you know, but the grunt says it all. You get it? So... You know, you and you go to you know. Think about that. We go to God sometimes in our when our prayers, and, and we you know, and like I say, we say, "Well, I can't ask why," but we do. And some God, sometimes God allows stuff in our life that you're not you know you're not happy about. I mean, how do you know that? Well, He has mine, and we get disappointed in God, even though He doesn't let us down. We get disappointed. We can't see His. We can't see. We can't see where he's taking us, or we can't see why we're going through what we're going through, or we we can't we can't recognize all the things that are working out. But and that's where he calls us to trust him. See, sometimes as a teenager, we just have to trust our parents that they've got an overriding love that's greater than what we are feeling in our emotions and even our disappointments. I mean, that's true. Um. And God, God, God's got an even greater love for us. And so, you know, here's the, here's the problem that it goes back to if you really think about it. If you start taking this onion and you just layer, you know, you, you just unravel the layers of it, what it comes back to do, we're really not convinced that God, God's love is, is just so consistent and is there and is our best interest. That's what it comes back to. We're not convinced of that. We say, we believe it. We sing the love of God, don't we? But are you convinced that he is truly, totally trustworthy? And then it takes you to the point in your life. Now, are you, are you tracking with me? Then it takes you to the point in your life and you say, okay, maybe I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not trusting you fully, God, or, or I, I'm not been fully convinced of your love. So, Lord, help my help my unbelief you know you here's the deal in any kind of relationship there's going to be that that kind of give and take it's true in our families it's true in our relationship with God and there's going to be times that you're not going to be pleased with God 
And you're going, to, you're going to have to say, and some people at that point, they just say, well, you know what, if this is what it's all about, then I don't want him. I don't want him. You know, I thought that God was supposed to come and answer my prayer the way I thought he does. Who told you that? Yes, it's a battle, and yes, it's about trust, but you've got to trust the outcomes to God. You can't dictate those. Now, hear me. You have to trust God to the point that you say, okay, Lord, I don't understand the battle. And I've said this to God at times. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like it. But I trust you that the out, and I'm trusting you that the outcome will be for your honor and your glory. And what God does is gives you peace in it. Now, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. That's how you, that's how you work through these issues that can lead to crisis of faith in your own life you see oftentimes the the problem is we just don't we know god or we know what we think we know about god or we know what preachers tell us about god or we know what we've been taught about god by our family or our parents or but but knowing the depths of the intricacies the mystery of who he is is he trustworthy so in christ we've been equipped to stand in the battle so I'm just asking you, how, how are you standing? God has given us some spiritual armor. And here's, here's what he gives us. And, and remember the context of this. Paul is writing in prison. And, and, and he, is, he is writing these truths. And what you see, and, and you see it in Philippians as well, which is a part of the prison epistles in Colossians. I mean, Philippians is a joyful letter. And I'm thinking Paul's circumstances was anything but joy Paul wasn't focused on his circumstance he was focused on the God who is over all of it and that's how he dealt with it so he said he had a lot of time to to look at Roman soldiers and I'm sure he 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 looked and examined their you know their apparel their what they had and um, so he says notice here he says First thing that you need to do is to put on a belt of truth. Now, that's very important. The belt of truth is very important in your life. It is very, very important in your life because where the enemy gets strongholds in your life is through deception. It's through things that he's convinced you of, things like this. Well, God couldn't love me. You know, mom and dad didn't, I didn't feel the sense that I was loved by mom and dad or people around me don't seem to care about me, so therefore God doesn't. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. And what you begin to, when you develop some discernment in your life, and that discernment comes when you have something outside yourself. When you have something outside yourself, that you can hinge or anchor in your life and your emotions. Because, see, most of us, you know, the enemy just comes along, you know, and, and whatever we feel we believe is true. And that's why we're living in such an age of confusion today where people can't discern right from wrong or what's going on in the world around them or even their lives. Why? Because we have lost. Listen, when, when a majority of people don't even believe in any sort of absolute truth today, and listen, many are sitting in churches say that truth is very relative to circumstances, 
then if your circumstances are not good, then you are left within the quagmire of your emotions alone. And when you, when you live your life basing your truth on what you feel, I want to tell you something. Satan, Satan builds up a big fortress and a stronghold in your life to defeat you. You need something outside yourself. God gives us that. It's no... Think about it. James says that he would, he, he, we have the Word of God that acts as a mirror for us to see clearly ourselves from God's perspective. James describes it like that. He says, how can a man go to a mirror and he look in it and he turn around and forget what he looks like? You, by the way, does anybody here not look in the mirror before you leave for church in the morning? You, you just lied in church. You just lied. Most of us do what? Look, look in the mirror, right? Don't you? Well, maybe most of us, right? Most of, it's a natural. It's a natural. It's a natural thing. Why you kind of get you kind of get the you you want to know the truth, right? Now, I'm glad that I looked in the mirror this morning because you ought to see me when I wake up in the morning. I mean, it's not pretty, and it's not much more anyhow. But, I mean, the hair's going this way in every way. And, you know, when it gets thinner, it gets frizzier. So I'm like, man, what did that pillow do to me last night? Yeah. And, I mean, I mean you know, you, 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 need, you need a look in a mirror to kind of get the bearing of the truth, and you say, "Okay, I need to, I need to, 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 uh, I need, I need, I need some, th- I need some stuff." So you, you, you get ready, you get prepared. You know, most, I mean, think about it. It's something just very natural for us. You get prepared for the day. You get prepared. You need a mirror, and the Bible, and you need a spiritual mirror. And the spiritual mirror is the Scripture; it's the Word of God. So that's why you got to get in here, and you got to, you got to. And what I would do is this: now, if you're really serious about your faith, I would begin to say, "Okay, what what is it that I'm necessarily feeling that's holding me?" Because this is where most of us live. Is it a fear? Is it guilt? Is it shame? It's is it. You know, something in my past is it something I did. Is it, you, know, you know, whatever it is. You begin to, whatever, and then I begin to say, okay, what does the Word of God say about that? I just need hope. I need, I need a sense of hope. Then I would begin to look into Scripture and say, okay, what, do, what does the Bible say about hope? And that's the belt of truth. You need to put on the belt of truth. Because, listen, everything, everything there of, of the armor fits around that belt of truth. It fits around it. It fits around it. So he says, notice the next thing. He says, you need something to cover your what? Your heart. You need the breastplate of righteousness, he said. And um, the the breastplate of, of, of righteousness. You see, the belt is the glue. It's the source of character, integrity. It is the truth of God's word that stands outside of ourselves and when that truth begets, becomes to be internalized, it establishes the heart 
in truth and reality. In other words, it anchors you into eternity. That is why this book is so very important. And if I were a parent and I have kids, I would say this is why you want your children to begin to open this book, to learn this book, and to get into Awana and get into children's church and get into these things where, they, where this stuff becomes internalized in their life that they have a point of reference to discern the big issues of life when it comes along. Because they're going to need it. As well as you're going to need it. So you begin to, you begin to, to develop a mindset of truth. You begin to internalize the truth. And when you find that your emotions don't fit your, the truth of what God has said, you begin to say, okay, Lord, here's what I feel. But I'm so thankful, and you begin to make it a prayer. God, I am so thankful for the truth of your word, which is, which is steadfast and true and unchangeable because of your nature. You are not a liar, God. But you deal with, me, with us with truth. So you begin to thank God for the truth that he's given you in his word. And, and what you can do, if you go back into your Bible, there's a little concordance in the back. You say, I need hope. I would go and I would look the word hope up in the back. of. There's usually a concordance in most Bibles, past the map somewhere. And you look up the word hope and you begin to go through the Bible and you begin to find out all these passages that deal with hope. And what you begin to find is, is God's giving, you see, God's given us a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of promises that relate to these areas for our lives. He gives it to us as truth. He gives us the breastplate of righteousness, he says here. The breastplate of the, of the Roman soldier was made of metal and leather. It protected, it protected the soldier's vital organ. It, it guards the heart. You know what the scripture says, Proverbs? It says, guard your heart with all diligence. You be careful what you give your heart to. And who? Because out of the heart flows the issues of life. What you give your heart to, you will give your time, you will, get, you will invest your money, you will, you will invest all of your energy, and where you give your heart to is where your treasure is. And he's saying guard that. Make sure that, make sure that, that heart is, 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 is grounded in righteousness. With a desire to please God, with a desire to live for God, with a desire that's pure before the Lord. And if it's not, then ask the Lord to clean your heart. And He does. He cleans our heart. And He imputes to us the righteousness of Christ. In other words, it's God's declaration over you that He says that you're right before Him. Why? Because you're a good person? No, because his son was totally sufficient in his goodness in your behalf. There's a breastplate. There's a breastplate of righteousness. And so you put that on. You, you know, I'm thinking of folks that struggle especially with, uh, with feeling so inadequate all the time. It's, I deal with that at times. Just, you know, I, I, Lord, I'm, you know what? I've, I mean, I've dealt with enough of life. You know, the older you get, you think the more confident you'd get. 
Oh, you, it's kind of like you begin to see the, the more confident I get in God, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, you've got all the self-help stuff now, you know, how to be more confident, how to be more inadequate. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, I am very inadequate, but I've, I sure serve an adequate Savior who's more than adequate, more than sufficient, more than enough. More than enough. So the breastplate of righteousness, I, you know, so I would put on the morning time, I'd say, okay, I need the belt of truth, and I need the breastplate of righteousness. I need my heart guarded. And, and there's everything that's vying for your heart today. Everything. Everything from advertisements that you see in social media or on TV and, or, or subtle things that people can say that says, well, you know, you know, you, you know, isn't this important to you and things that you ought to sacrifice for and sacrifice for your time for and our kids are getting it every day, you know. You know, kids don't want to play one sport, they want to play 20 at one time, that kind of thing. You, you know what I'm talking about, parents? The, you know, the, the, the reality of, of and you've got to say, okay, well, wait a minute, you know, you, 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 know there's, you just only have so much time, you've got to pick one, you know, that kind of thing. And... The, the, the reality of all this, because everything is vying for our attention and our time. And then you got the internal conflicts and struggles, and, and Paul dealt with that. But notice here, he anchored himself, first of all, in the belt of truth. It was something outside of himself that he puts on. And then the breastplate of righteousness, it covers his heart. And then he says, you take the shield of faith, and we walk by faith and not by what? Say it. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now, there was a couple of shields. These shields were iron. They were covered with layers of wood, linen, and animal hide. Sometimes they were soaked in, um, in water. And the enemy would launch their, the infantry would launch their, their arrows, and they would be flaming. And these, these things, these Roman soldiers could, could actually, they could march in, you know, they'd advance one step at a time. And these, these shields were, would t- totally cover all of their body. They did have some smaller shields like the one you see in that kind of picture. But, um, but these, they could stand be- behind them. And then they would advance one step at a time. One step at a time. They would, they would walk and they would move forward one step at a time in battle. And the enemy would send these flaming arrows at them and they would hit their shield and they would, you know, they, they would be extinguished. Why? Because they hit the shield. They would hit the shield and if they lodged in the shield, then, you know, they would eventually just burn out. But they would advance that way. It was something that, notice here, the shield of faith totally covers you. It totally covers you. It totally covers you. Uh, they would keep their ranks tight. And notice here, they fought together. If you ever wonder, if you ever wonder if church is important, let me tell you why it is. Church is really important is because we're all in a battle. And the devil wants you to th- think that you're the only one that's on the battlefield. And you're tired and you're lonely and you're weary and you're upset and, and yet nobody understands and yet God says, don't you know that, that there's some other folks out there that are dealing with battles too? And while you're sitting and you're thinking that you've, you're kind of enjoying your pity party, that there is a whole body and we're called to, that we are called to lift one another up in prayer together. 
You can't do it alone. God didn't intend for it to be that way. This long range of Christianity that says me and Jesus got our own thing going, it's just not biblical. We're going to work it out. No. You work it out with you work it out in the scripture and you work it out in the context of the body of Christ. That's why we need the church. That's why. We need one another. I'm in a battle, you're in a battle, we're all in battles. We all have internal battles, we all have all kinds of other kind of battles going on in our lives and we need the, you need the body of Christ. That's the way God created it. Now everything within me says, my pride says no. My self-sufficiency says no, I can handle this thing, I've got it. I'm a very private person. Well, you may be, but you may be a very lonely person. And the reality of it is, you you don't have to get up and share with everybody. You know, matter of fact, I was in church service one night years ago. And I I was, and this lady, she just, she she had gone through a real battle that week. And she gave a a good 10-minute testimony on how the devil had had just, had just beat her down all week emotionally and I was sitting there and I could just feel myself going oh I mean because you know you're in a church service and you're who to praise who you praise the Lord well she was talking about the devil the whole time well all of a sudden the devil started getting bigger in that service <laughs> and God started getting smaller and and she was just wrapped up in emotions and I thought oh Lord you know, how do you, and I'm glad I wasn't leading that service. Um, but, you know, and you be careful on, on how, how much you give honor to the devil. Yeah, you, you, he may be, you may be in a battle, but you've got a, God is strong. You begin to tell yourself the truth, and that's what faith is. Faith is not what you can see. It's not in your circumstance. It is in who God is. It is in the reality of Christ. So he says we have a shield of faith. And then he says that we have the readiness of, the song, of, our, of, our, of even our, our feet. He says uh, these, these were a half, a half boot worn uh, made of leather, steel studs on it like cleats on the bottom of their feet. Um, and it would give them a firm standing. You need something firm to stand on. And the scripture says that we, have, we can stand on have our feet shod, not only with the gospel of peace, but there's more to it than this. More to it than having peace with God. Yes, that's true. And that's a firm foundation to stand on, but it's having the peace of God in the midst of the battle. It's, it's knowing that, that we are, you know, whatever the outcome, God is, God's peace reigns because he's in control. And that's trust. And I'd like to tell you that I'm there all the time. I'm like to, I'd like to tell you, I've been a Christian for a long time now, about 35, 40 years. And I'd like to tell you that God's peace is just there all the time in the midst of the battle. And it's sometimes I have to remind myself that I am in peace with God. And so therefore, Lord, I, let, I want your peace to reign over me in my circumstance. Because sometimes I get my eye on the battle. Sorry to tell you that. But it's true. And I have to sit back and I have to remind myself. I have to remind myself mainly 
who God is and the truth. My wife will remind me of the truth. I have people speaking into my life with truth. That's very important. See, it's very important who you align yourself with when you're going in a battle. You hear me? You hear me? It's very important who you align yourself to when you're in a battle. And what you want to be aligned with, you want to be aligned with somebody, and, and, and I'm saying somebody that's close to you, side by side, that is, that is, that is connected in truth. Truth. Why? Because there's going to be times that in the fog of the battle or in the, in the fray of the battle and, and when, when, when all this, the smoke is rising around you and you can't see and you, you're wanting clarity and you don't have it and you don't feel God's presence and God's not there, it seems, and, you, and the devil comes along and says, yeah, you've been abandoned. He's totally rejected you. Then you need somebody that, you need somebody that is a reminder that's in this book too that knows the truth of his word and can speak truth into your life so that you can have peace. Do you hear me? You got to have you, you and and so Paul said to these Roman soldiers, they put these sandals on, and and that would be, and they would have a firm footing. They could stand. They wouldn't be just kind of flopping around. They wouldn't go in panic mode. In battle. But they would actually be ready, and there was a readiness and a standing that they had. And then he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is a metal covering, and it had a felt lining, had a sponge in it, protected the soldier's head. You know, I'm thinking, okay, belt of truth, righteousness, shield of faith, Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, that's how we think about this. A Christian army <laughs> as, as, uh, is in peace. It lives in peace. The Christian soldier is in peace with God and peace with others. Why? Because their heart's at peace. And, it's, it's not a, and again, Paul said that there, our warfare is not flesh and blood. It's not that. It, no, it's not. So it's, it's the helmet of salvation. Helmet protects the what? Right here. And if you think about it, that's where all this has kind of been pointing to. Belt of truth, helmet of salvation. Mind the things of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things below. Put, you, put your mind to truth. Put your mind to truth. God's salvation protects our mind for now and for eternity. The helmet of salvation protects our mind from doubting God's saving work that has been completed through Christ. And if you're doubting your salvation, that's where you go. You go to the truth of the word. Um, it's spiritual life. The mind, the mind is the heart of the spiritual thoughts, decisions, and behavior. The reason that you do what you do, say what you say, feel what you feel, is what you've allowed to enter into the mind. That's going for the heart. Again, it goes back to the truth. 
The last thing is the sword of the Spirit. It's used to advance in battle, and uh, it, it was used to, it was an offensive as well as a defensive weapon. You know what the, the, the Scripture is? The Word of God cuts to and fro. You know, let me just tell you, anytime that you allow yourself to become, to allow the truth of the Word of God to do its work in your life, God does like a spiritual surgery. He cuts some stuff out of our lives. It's just, it's just, it's just, you know, not good. And it hurts at the time. I mean, there's there's been times that I'm thinking, that's in your word, Lord. I, I you know, I, I'm having a hard time with that. Do you ever find I have conversations with God like that? And I say, okay, I trust your word and the authority of it, but I'm really struggling with it. You know what that means? It means I'm growing. I mean, you look at it, you look at it in the mirror, you know, and you you, you get God's idea. And we like to think of God in churches and, you know, what we hear in sermons and all that is just kind of like, you know, I can I take that. And I, I, it's kind of like going to the buffet Sunday. And you you pick and choose your truth. Well, I'll take a little bit of that truth, and I'll take this truth over here, and and this truth. But it doesn't really work that way, in reality. Now you can say that. You can say, well, I I think I'll I'll pick the truth that I want to live by, and this other stuff I think I'll I'll reserve this other stuff for my own life, and and so you know people do that. And you know what they don't find? They don't never find victory. They will they won't find victory in their lives. And that's true. And it's sad. Because you've got to allow God to think about it. When I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart about being saved, I was offended. God offended me. And when my friend laid his hand on my hand one time in an altar call to church, and he said, Greg, he said, why don't you go forward and trust Christ? I was offended by that. I knew it was true, but I'm and and everything within my rational mind says, "Yeah, but you're good. You you know, look at this. You're a PK, Greg. You know, preacher's kid. You know, you don't need that. I mean, you know, you're covered. Mom and Dad are Christians. You're all right. And and I was literally offended by God." And we don't think of it in those terms. We call it conviction. What I know now is my offense was God's conviction of my heart. God sometimes will convict you of sin. Has God ever convicted you of sin? Anybody? Good. That means you belong to Him. Have you ever said something and God, the Holy Spirit, that's convicted your heart of what you said and you went back and you said, I'm sorry? Have you ever, anybody here ever done that? Yeah. Thank God. Even as a believer, sometimes you find yourself grieving the Holy Spirit when you're not obedient to Him. Thank God. Why? Because it just proves that you're a son and daughter. And He gives us the empowerment of the Spirit. Now, I've got to hush. I've got to be quiet here. I've got to go. But, I, you know, you think about this. The sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, readiness 
shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. When I get up in the morning, you just begin to visually put these things on. You say, I'm in a battle, then put your armor on. It's a spiritual battle. You put your armor on. Go to the Word. Go to the Scripture. You know, go to the Scripture. Go to your concordance. Go to the Psalms. Go to the Gospels. And begin to, in, and begin to allow this Word to speak to your heart. And you know what? You'll be surprised. Because He will. And that's one of the reasons that I can't get away from this book. Because this book got a hold of me. But more than the book got a hold of me, the truth of it got a hold of me. It spoke into my life. You see, you're not alone in your battle. You don't have to be afraid. You just need to stand. Stand firm, encourage, stand in faith, put on the armor, and say, Lord, the battle's not mine, it belongs to you. Sometimes we get consumed with the battle, and I'm closing with this. Sometimes we get consumed with the battle that we can't see anything but that. Sometimes you just need to step back from it just a second and say, Lord Jesus, I just want to affirm the truth today that the battle is not mine, but it belongs to you. It belongs to you. So I'm going to stand in your truth, in your word, bring myself under the subjection of the Holy Spirit to allow Him to do His work in my life. For some of us, it may be, Lord I'm struggling with a stronghold, but I'm giving it to Jesus. And what I would suggest is give it to him. Some of you here are needing encouragement. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would do with this message what brings glory to the name of Christ. Help us to, just to be standing and stand firm in what you've given us for the sake of Jesus.